Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Roundup with Dan O'Neill, powered by RCG Mortgage. If you are an agent and you have a save me deal, somebody can't get a loan, a client of yours, um, take it from me. Definitely call RCG. They will save it. They'll make sure that it closes. If you are an agent and you have don't have a save me deal and you have a normal deal, send it to RCG as well. And if you are a consumer looking for pre-approval, see how much you can afford, work on your credit, anything, give our friends Andrew and uh, Evan at RCG a call. Um, sorry for the two or three week uh, hiatus. Um, I was away, Mike was sick, just a ton of stuff going on, so I'm glad to be back. Um, I am partially deaf this morning, don't know what's going on, but I'm gonna power through it. I'm gonna make sure this podcast gets out even though I can't hear anything. So um, it's been a really good couple weeks. Um, I'm sure you've been, you guys had your best month too. Absolutely. I think it's a direct correlation to everybody working together and growing our businesses. Uh, for me, we put out, uh, I think like four or five listings this past week. Huntington, Farmingdale, Holtzville, Holbrook, we're everywhere. So if you're looking to do sell or buy, definitely reach out to us. I would love to help. And I promise hopefully my hearing will come back in the next day or so. <laughs> so today we are switching gears a little bit. We are having Andrew Russell on, obviously. We're going to do a little bit of a Q&A today. So I posted on my social medias. Andrew did the same. We got a lot of questions from people that I guess are interested to find out more about the mortgage process, find out more about the, the day-to-day workings of an agent. So we're going to kind of rattle off a few of the questions and, and go from there. Uh, so we're going to switch it up a little bit today. Um, so first of all, how you doing? What's up, Dan? You good? How you doing? Good to be back. Good yeah, to be back. Good, good, good to be back. I, I really can't hear you, so <laughs> <It's all good. laughs> I'm, I'm freaking, freaking out, but I'm going to power through it. Um, so yeah, you guys had your, your busiest month, right, last month? We did. Yeah, July was actually the best month we ever had as a company. Really? Yeah, absolutely. What, what do you think it's, it's a result of just you guys' systems finally yeah. kind of going into place? and Absolutely. Building the brand, building the systems and structure, having the right people on the team, which you get to work with, you yeah. know, and just delivering it every day. All I, mean, day I, I can tell you from like what we're doing and the business that we work with you guys, like, you know, Jake, John, Zach, me, Carlos, <clears throat> everyone is like super happy. We've sent a client to you guys and it's just you know it's going to end well. So it's a, it's a really comforting feeling, you know, doing that. So appreciate all your hard work. Absolutely. Appreciate you. <clears throat> of course. So we have a couple questions today that were sent in and submitted through Facebook and Instagram. <clears throat> you more so Facebook, me more so Instagram. Um, you know, we've had a lot of positive feedback from the podcast, which is really nice. I mean, you had somebody call you and said that they sent you a save me deal and you're probably going to save this guy's deal. Never met him before. Yeah, so we got, we got a referral and we track every <laughs> referral we get just to give, you know, the realtor partner props and keep you in the loop because yeah. obviously that's the backbone of our business foundation. So I uh, got a referral from somebody, had no idea who he was. <laughs> so, I, you know, Mary on the team, she's like, Andrew, who's, you know, X, Y, and Z realtor? And I was like... That's a great question. I don't have a clue. So I was like, just do me a favor. Can you give him a call? Introduce yourself, who you are. You know, you want our gangsters on the team and say, by the way, um, we haven't worked with you before. Yeah, where you so he from? said, yeah, I saw you and heard you on the Dan O'Neill podcast. Nice. Yeah, and he said, obviously, you know, Dan's very respected in the community. So here we are, literally a save me deal. And I, was, I was like, nah. <laughs> yeah? And that's your favorite, too, because oh God, now you I get to it. perform. So com- you get to do it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You do it now. I mean, the same thing with me. You know, you had a save me deal for me, and now you're getting everything. Here we are. So here we are. All right, so first question that we got for you, um, we'll just kind of go back and forth, bounce off each other. Yep. Um, and I just had this happen, so this is an interesting question. So I just had an instance where I have a listing, it's a condo, I'm having multiple offers, somebody, the highest offer, great offer, the agent's doing everything right, she's really on top of things, but she sent me a prequal instead of a pre-approval. So in my experience, get me a pre-approval, don't get me a prequal. Like I get, you know, it's it's the first step of it, but. For me, it's I need a pre-approval. I need to make sure I need to call the loan officer, make sure they're getting their loan, so on and so forth. So the first question that somebody asked you 
is what is the difference between a pre-qual and a pre-approval? Or what is the difference between being pre-qualified or pre-approved? Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's a systemic issue only because, like, especially you, you're killing it on the listings. Mm. So, you know, you don't necessarily vet the buyer as much sometimes, but if it comes in with a pre-qualification versus pre-approval, it could have, you know, negative effect potentially on your seller, which obviously makes you look bad even though it's yeah. not your buyer. So, the difference is a pre-qualification is literally basically a phone conversation and potentially a credit pull. So, sometimes, you know, some of my competitors mask a pre-approval as a pre-qualification, but what that really means is they haven't done like thorough diligence on the buyer themselves, mm -hmm. so specifically a pre-approval. So for a pre-approval, I mean, that's why we were able to build our business because we bought a thousand on our pre-approvals to closing yeah. because, I mean, what type of reflection is that? If you refer someone to me, we say they're pre-approved, but they get denied. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just doesn't happen in our world. So the reason is, is because pre-approvals are more thorough, more diligent. That's why it's something that you expect. Specifically, we get all their income docs, you know, so so we actually have a underwriter on our staff. He's our ops manager. So we're probably the only, if not one of the fewest brokers in New York to have an actual underwriter helping on our pre-approvals. But, you know, nice. so what they do is they collaborate a due diligence list. You know, so if you're a W-2 employee, it's pay stubs, W-2s. We review tax returns, two months bank statements. We source large deposits. Mm -hmm. We run their credit. We do a, a thorough credit review, it's not just one thing, they have a certain score, there could be things within the credit, disputed accounts, collections, that could potentially... So how long does it take you guys to, I mean, I know the answer, but how long would it take you to spit out a pre-approval? You get a new buyer, you know, an agent sends you somebody at 11 a.m., they want to make an offer by noon, can they get the pre-approval by noon? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things I stand for is like 24-7 service. It has yeah. to be what we offer to, to uh, differentiate ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, but it's simple. Phone conversation, we like to pull their credit on the phone, that's the first step. Second step, we send a secure link to our pre-approval you know, requirements. Yeah, yeah. They go in, they give us their name, date of birth, social address, just to make sure that's what we got on the phone, just to cross-reference, yep. um, along with all their different documents. Once we get their documents, it only takes us five, 10 minutes tops. You know, nice. So I have uh, Evan and Pete on my team hop on the phone with the client and go over everything, just to make sure we're on the same page. It's a really fast process, but it's one of those things, like you can't put together a puzzle unless you have all the pieces. Yeah. So the hardest part is get the information, get the pieces, put them together, the phone console, when you know what you're doing is very simple. So the, the true answer is as fast as the client gets us the documents we need yep. is as fast as we do the pre-approval, five, 10 minutes. Yeah, and I think it's really important too that you guys are so diligent in this process because a lot of people will just make a Microsoft Word approval after a phone conversation or literally a text conversation and you don't even know if it's it's foolproof. You know, like, well, it's more opportunity for me to do a save me loan. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what's like the worst, this isn't even a question, but what's the worst, I guess like applicant? Like is there, you have any funny stories of somebody that came in with like, like 400 credit score, like doesn't even work. And yeah, wants you know, there's been moments. Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things. The, the reason a pre-approval is so important is because, um, again, I've made mention in some of my personal videos. Like, I'm not a fireman, right? Yeah. I'm not a police officer. I couldn't do that job per mm -hmm. se, right? So if somebody <laughs> is a police officer, <laughs> imagine, <laughs> imagine Andy you don't want me running down to the house, bro. <laughs> Dad, come on! You wouldn't fit yeah. through the door. No, it's, it's, not, it's not happening. I'll be outside to help with the hose. Yeah. <laughs> A little big. Yeah. Um, but people, like, they don't understand mortgage dynamics, the difference of W-2, 1099, I get commission, I get bonus, I get overtime. Yeah. There's so many, you know, the devil's in the details. There's so many little things that potentially kill a transaction. So 
a lot of times on like the prequel, they'll call a guy, say, at a big bank, and they're like, yeah, you know, I make $80,000. Guy's like, cool, issues you a pre-approval, assuming the guy makes $80,000. Once they're in contract, they'll get you know, the documents to their loan officer. So if they're 1099, 1099 doesn't really count per se. They're considered mm -hmm. self-employed. We have to look at their tax yeah, that's return. What, that's what we are, yeah. yeah. So that's like an example of why it's super important to do that stuff, because like to answer your question, a lot of people just don't really know, so it's like when you apply for a car, right, or a lease, yeah. it's like you give information, but it's a little bit less of a diligence on the income side. On our end, it's the opposite, so we've gotten wild information told to us that was just completely non-factual, <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things, and then they get mad, Yeah, yeah. you know? So I know you had a transaction where, remember we told them, 10% down, bank mm -hmm. they're like, this can't be done, yeah. someone else did, yeah. and it wasn't done, yeah. you know, so sometimes even my credibility is called, and I'm like, you know, I would never want to fail for no, you no, and no, my partners, course. but, you know, then what happens is somebody else says they can, but they can't, because, I mean, we all follow the same guidelines, it's yeah. just, who knows it better, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right, so, that was a good answer, thank you. Uh, so somebody asked me, so we're going to go back and forth here. Um, somebody asked me what made me get started in the business. Um, so basically, I was working a job that I just couldn't stand. I was a restaurant manager working 78 hours a week. Um, I knew I wanted to change. My buddy Cameron worked uh, for AMB over in a white office in Farmingdale. Knew nothing about NASA at the time or Farmingdale and just kind of jumped right into it. And I love it. And that was kind of, there's no like real back backstory to it. It was just, I needed to change. I got my license, I was working and I would take the online class while I was working. What was your first deal, a buyer or a listing? Uh, listing actually, I got it like the, the day or two before I even had my license. It was kind of like, <laughs> it was kind of, a, not like a sketchy situation, but I mean, you know, I probably shouldn't have done it, but I, I got my first listing before I had my license. I went down to the town of Brookhaven where all the investors go to buy their flips, you know, where all the foreclosures go off, and I had my plastic business cards, and I went around and just kind of like passed them out as if I knew, as if I've had 30 listings, and I figured one guy in there would probably be a newbie lister, you know, a newbie investor, and uh, it turns out like two days later, he gave me a call and gave me his first flip listing, so I literally had a listing the first couple days, um, and then it just kind of spiraled, so then I did an open house at that, like literally had my license for like two days at that time, did an open house, family loved me, had me Were you nervous list. in your first open house? Oh, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. Like, hey, Dan, what you, yeah, show me around. You're well, like, what? I didn't, I didn't, yeah, exactly. Like, you don't even, you know, someone goes, this is oil or gas. I'm like, I don't, you know, at that point, I didn't know how to decipher. <laughs> so it kind of just, you know, eventually through You're like, practice. it's a cave. No, it's a ranch. Yeah, no, yeah. Just look at the list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just give me the house. I didn't know yeah. how to run comps. You know, it was nothing. I was just, what price you want to list it at? And I actually got myself in trouble because the second listing that I took, I didn't know how to do comps. I didn't know anything. So I'm like, well, what do you guys want? And they're like, well, we want, we want 475. I'm like, yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so I took a 475 listing that really should have been like a 425 listing. And it took me a long time to sell it. How long did it take? 11 months. But it sold. It sold. And it was a very happy ending. I actually got them, I think it was like, I got them like 429. They bought a beautiful house in Port Jeff Station was what they wanted. So, I mean, it worked out really well. It was just... I was doing open houses like once every weekend, like maybe even Saturday and Sunday every week for like eight months. And nobody would come in. Like, so I would do the open house and start at 12. The family, would, it was like a really, it was like an 11 person family living in a two bedroom condo. So it would take them all of like 45 minutes to get out of the condo. So now it's 12.45, my open house started at 12. They finally leave, they're back in like 25 minutes anyway. And they're like, yeah, did anybody come? And I'd be like, yeah, you know, like a person or two came. You know, not bad, but we'll get it sold next yeah, weekend. Yeah. It was a bad weekend. Nobody was showing up, man. It was just like, it was an hour and a half of me just staring at the wall, paint dry. And I felt bad because there was really nothing at that point that I could have done differently looking back on it other than just pricing it right. Nobody wanted to come and look at a, a condo that was $60,000 overpriced. So that was kind of tough. 11 months. 11 months, What's man. your average now? Less than 30 days, right? 
two weeks. Boom. Dodd. No, you know what? 30 days is good. Because no. <laughs> I don't like <laughs> it now. Wrong people, expectation. Yeah, now people yeah. are like, well, you didn't get it sold. I'll sell them three days. days. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. people's expectations are getting too high. Give me 30 days and I'll get it done. Um, all right, so next question for you. Do I have to put down 20% on a purchase in order to qualify to have no monthly PMI? So, yeah, it's a popular question because PMI, all it means is private mortgage insurance. So there's two ways actually for us, at least how it plays out. It's either, number one, it's per month, you know, small VIG. So basically if your loan amount is $400,000, it's say a half a percent of that, right? Okay. Which is $2,000, right? And yeah. then it's divide that by 12, that's your monthly payment. Like it's within your payment for PMI until it falls off. So. Now there's a new thing that kind of came out several months ago, you know, a year ago or so, where it's becoming more popular at least because the rates are so low. Say the market rate for a 20% down purchase, for argument's sake, is 3.5, right? So if you have a 740 score and put 10% down, maybe that rate is 3.75. So although the rates are quarter higher, you're saving potentially, you know, $40,000, $50,000. So some people right now, because the market's so good on the mortgage rate side, they want to stay more liquid. So it's just become popular. So the answer is there are programs where you could put three, five, 10 or 15% down and have no monthly PMI and the rate's still good. Mm -hmm. So it's just something to look at. You know, we obviously with the team do a due diligence with clients, see what their goals are. But people, many times the old school thought process is 20% down for no PMI because PMI, like they think is a waste, but they're able to do a slightly higher rate, still a tax write-off and put less down so they have more money in their pocket to fix the house and do stuff with. Do you find that it's, do you find it difficult for some of your clients that are putting the 3% down to get accepted offer in this tough like seller's market where there's multiple offers? Um, because you know Jake, who's on our team, he's got a buyer that's only putting down 3%. Let's say it's like eight grand you know, for whatever the purchase price is and he's having a tough time getting her an accepted offer. I think that there's ways around it and the ways that you spin it you use, you know, what I try and do when I have somebody that's putting less down is, you know, you spin the fact that you're, they're using your lender, which is always a plus, so you know the deal's gonna go through. Hopefully they're using your attorney, they're using your inspector, yep, the you, you know, you, the team. You talk about yourself, you know, listen, I'm a full-time agent, you know, I'm not gonna just put this under contract, they'd be gone, you know, you stay on top of the deal. So I think that there's ways to spin it, but I do find sometimes that if you're not able to put that spin on it, you may have difficulty. Well, that's why it's necessary many times to have a great buyer's agent like you and your team, because mm-hmm. just because someone's putting down 20% versus someone putting down FHA 3.5% doesn't mean that they're more qualified per se. Yeah. You know, what if that person, like you said, is using the wrong bank? What if they're pre-qualified and not pre-approved? You know, sometimes the down payment isn't the most important thing. You know, sometimes companies don't have intimate groups of appraisers who know the area, mm-hmm. they send someone to Satawka, who lives in Staten Island, yeah. you know, who may not know the market, the difference of the school districts, three village and stuff like that. Um, so I agree with you. I think it's the strength of the buyer side agent, which is why you're so valuable. Appreciate that. Um, okay, so next question that I was asked was, how did you get listings in business when you first got started in the business? So door knocking? I did door knock a lot. I hated door knocking. What's the whole door knock dynamic? Like, what's the so like? basically the way that I go about it was when I first got my license, I would go to like I would do like a farm area. So I would pick something, an area where I knew. I'd pick like 200 houses. I would door knock like once a month, you know, for different reasons. What I found is more effective for me is now when I get a listing somewhere, I will just I'll, I'll door knock three times the area. So if I have a listing right here, one two three Main Street. The first open house, or no, say I first list it and the sign goes in, I'll go door knock the entire neighborhood and say, listen, we just listed 123 Main Street for X. If you guys wanna come check it out or if you're ever interested in listing your house, let me know. Second time is when I'll do my first open house, I'll go and door knock the same people and say, listen, we're doing an open house. I'm sorry if there's any cars in your driveway or in front of your house, 
you know, if anything, if someone's blocking your driveway or something, give me a call. Here's my card. And if you want to come take a look, you know, you're more than welcome. We're going to give all the neighbors 20 minutes before the open house starts to come take a look. And it works, people, because they're nosy. Do you have any good stories, though? You door knock and people are like, huh? Oh, man, I have, a, I have a story. Yeah, I mean, of course, people slam doors. Yeah. and They think I'm a Jehovah Witness with my suit and tie every day. But uh, one good story is old man brewed his own beers, uh, like, in, I guess, in his house. So, of course, like, you know, it lets me in. I look at his house. I can't be rude, so I have one of the beers. One beer. Apparently, it was like a 12 or 13% beer. Like, this you're dude smoked. Was, I was smoked. So, I'm sitting there, and, like, my eyes are kind of, like, going weird. Like, you know, like, you're, like, batting your eyes. I'm talking to him, and finally, I'm like, I got to get the hell out of here. So, I literally left and sat in my car for, like, an hour and a half. Just sober to, like, up. Just sober up, yeah. Uh. Like, I, I wasn't, like, like, drunk by any means, but it was just such you a, a powerful. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just a powerful beer, so I felt really uncomfortable. But so door knocking is big, and then the third time you go back is after the open house, and you sell it. You say, "Listen, we sold it for X. If you're interested in finding out, you know, let me know." And it works. People, you know, the worst feeling in the world is when somebody you list this house and the neighbors gets listed. It sucks. Um, so I did a lot of door knocking. I did a lot of for sale by owner and expired cold calls. So I would basically give myself a list of ten for sale by owners every like I would say Wednesday or fifteen of them. I would try and get in touch with as many as I could. The excuses that I made to get into these for sale by owners, it, like, I'm embarrassed. Like, I, I've, it's sick. You know, I used to take my dad around and say my dad was a buyer until one day my dad brought his O'Neill and Wellershaw truck and the guy's like, wait a minute. <laughs> so I got caught and I still got the listing. Um, so, you know, for sale by owner expires was a lot of it and a lot of it's social media too. You know, you gotta portray what you're doing. You know, I would go look at a foreclosure with my dad and we would post about it and people found it funny and entertaining and then I would get listings, so. You really just have to hammer the phones when you first get started because if you're not going to, who's going to give you a listing? Same thing with your sphere of influence. Like a lot of my family wasn't really buying or selling at the time, but they knew people that were, so they would refer me out. So your sphere yeah. of influence. And then you do a good job, you know, and then they keep. And then it just yeah. spirals exactly. So yeah. people that I used to work with, their parents selling, people I grew up with, their parents selling. So you just have to do a really good job of letting your sphere of influence know that you're in real estate. And that's it. It's that easy. <laughs> you see the gray hairs there. It's not. It's not that easy. I had gray hair. 18 months ago. All right, so for you, does it really take 30 days for a commitment on a purchase and 60 days or more to close? Yeah, so a lot of times when uh, the listing agent is a referral source for us, we get the pre-approval vetted. They call and they ask the same questions. Hey, Andrew, it's so-and-so at Douglas Elliman. So let me ask you a question. Did you run their credit? Did you look at their income? (laughs) Did you review their assets? And I'm like, uh, yes. Which probably just didn't work with them. That's the only reason they're asking. But, you know, typically say, well, you know, how long will it take for the commitment? 30 days or six, you know, six days to close? Mm -hmm. So with us, it's actually the opposite. So right now on the wholesale side, our lenders are screaming there so fast. So like our uh, typical process is we go over our full application before we get the contract. We have our application disclosures each time so once we get the contract you know preferably from one of our attorneys because they're quick with the turn yeah, yeah. sometimes that's slow um, we submit the loan to the lender the following day so within a day or so the loans in underwriting and then our lenders are like 24 hours for approval so from like contract to approval which is basically a conditional commitment a commitment subject to the appraisal is really only two or three days you know at most and yeah. that's for like if we've really done a lot of due diligence up front we got the right documents from the client and we have a you know appropriate full package to submit to a lender so definitely doesn't take 30 days for a commitment that's basically not subject to an appraisal we order the appraisal once they sign our application we have the contract mm-hmm. so it doesn't take for us when you order right away Way longer for like a week or so so what i find is the real hold up for uh, a closing as many times the attorney do they order title you know the co searches and sometimes if they order it late like you have to wait for those searches yeah, yeah. it's kind of brutal i'm like hey dan we're clear to close oh great job Andrew. and the attorney just ordered the co i'll call you in like a week or two <laughs> yeah. same thing with the survey 
you know, so that sometimes, depending on the, the time of the year with the closings, takes, uh, like, you know, spring, summer might be a little bit slower. It takes up to two weeks, sometimes even more. So yeah. um, we could definitely close, you know, commitment within three, four days, close within two, three weeks. I mean, a save me deal, we have the title, so that's why we close so fast. Yeah, save me deal. So I think, yeah, the timing is many times just on the attorney ordering their end because we can't control that. In my experience, you guys have gotten commitments out, like, right away, which is remarkable. <clears throat> Some other lenders has taken 30, 45 days for a commitment because they're backed up. You guys are one week. Yeah, I mean, the reason you're speaking to me is because I did a deal with Zach, mm -hmm. and um, it was seven business days, submission to clear to close. I mean, even the deal that we did. And not not like a commitment. 10. It was clear. Yeah, ex exactly. Which is remarkable. So had I mean, a little spice to it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we live at. <laughs> a little spice. That's why I got gray hair. Um, huh. so question for me. Do you believe in Zillow? So a lot of people... Um, a lot of people are getting off of Zillow because Zillow is becoming, I guess, like a, one of our main competitors <clears throat> now that they're investing, flipping, selling, buying. But I think it's the same thing with like Redfin and the Purple Bricks. Like, for how long is that going to last? Do I believe in investing in Zillow, the leads? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, Zach and Carlos, you know, shout out to them. They have a lot of success with the Zillow advertising. Um, I know that the conversion rates are very, very poor. But if you do a good job of, of following up, you know, you answer your phone, which is the, probably the number one thing, just answer your freaking phone. Um, and if you actually go out and take these people out, yeah, okay, some of these people are going to be duds. You know, they're not really qualified right away, but you also get, you know, a, a really good buyer or a really a strong potential client. So, you know, if you follow up with them, if you actually have the time to take them out and you work hard for them, I feel like it's pretty easy to convert some of these leads. Of course, not every single one is going to be great. Um, but no, I don't invest currently in Zillow. I have in the past. Um, for you, do you need at least a 700 credit score to close on a purchase? That's like, you know, you're out, you're with your boys, your friends, your family at a barbecue. They're like, yo, I heard you to buy a house and you a 700 credit score. <laughs> it's actually, again, it's not true. A lot of times people correlate the, uh, like leasing a car to, to buying a house. It's very yeah. different when you get a mortgage. So um, typically like the 20% down purchases, you need like a 620 score. But so FHA, FHA is, it kind of bounces around, you know, the aggressiveness of their underwriting uh, systems, but as of right now, you can buy a house with a 580 credit score with three and a half percent down, and with a 500 credit score to a 579 with 10 percent down, and there's no catch. Really? We gave somebody with a credit score of 510 a 30 year fix in the fours. No catch. What? It's that crazy? Yep. Why? Why is that? It's just what it is. You know, FHA. It's uh, backed by Ginnie Mae. It's a government-backed mortgage. So what it is is FHA is the lender is getting insurance from the government. So say, for instance, on an FHA loan, client buys a house for four hundred thousand. They pretty much leverage the whole thing. FHA is three and a half percent down, so they're almost borrowing the whole thing. So God forbid, in a year something happens and they have to foreclose. By the time foreclosure happens, the lender fire sells the house for three twenty. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's an eighty thousand dollar loss. Right, there was a loan for say four hundred or close yeah, yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. Buyer sell yeah. eighty thousand dollars loss. So what happens is, if the lender did the right thing and did their diligence and the underwriting was correct, and it was really just a bad circumstance for the borrower, the government, which is HUD, who backs FHA, they give the lender, uh, the servicer, eighty thousand dollars. It's like an insurance fund. Wow. So because of that, there's a government guarantee. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Tommy boy, and everyone yeah. wants a guarantee on the box. <laughs> so it's the exact same thing. So because of that. Um, the pricing in the secondary market, Wall Street, and all that stuff, it's priced better. So, like, the rate right now for FHA with good credit is something like three and a quarter for a 30 year fixed. Remember, we had a VA, VA client, yeah. uh, we were at 3.0, we've seen 2.99. You know, so obviously the lower the score, there's a bit more risk built in for lenders yeah, and pricing, yeah. but still, 30 year fixed in the fours with yeah. a 510 credit score. That's remarkable. 
And people are out here, you know, renting for $2,500, $2,800 a month, which is Well, that's the thing. Insane. You know, first month, last month, security deposit. You know, if you can get them a seller concession or close to it, you can use that same money, get into a house with the same payment. Now you own it and have a tax write-off. You heard that? You can buy. Stop renting. You heard Call it first me. here, people. You heard, you heard yeah. it here first. <laughs> 631-384-8611. <laughs> Cut that out now. I'm just teasing. Yeah. Um, uh, so one more question for me was what were – actually, I want to ask this for you, too. What were my goals for the calendar year? So I started the year with like a number goal. I didn't really do like a volume goal, which I now have since changed. So my goal in the beginning of the year in January was to sell 40 houses, my first like full-time year. And I'll probably, I think right now, close and under contract. I'm at 32 with like seven active listings and I think like five accepted offers. So I'm, I'm going to beat my goals for this year, which is, I'm very happy about it. But now my goal is 60. <clears throat> so I want to beat 60 or at least hit it. Um, but I think it's really important that you set goals because for me, like I, I'm constantly checking it. Like I'm constantly writing out all the numbers, everything. I'm very calculated in a sense. You know, I want to make sure that I'm doing the right things. How many phone calls do I need to make? What do I need to do to make that happen? And how long have you been doing that for? That whole systems and structure type. To be honest, so I mean, obviously, I set my goal in January, but um, but I really started doing the systems and structures like March. Couple couple months in, and it works. Yeah, it does work 100 percent because you're, it keeps you accountable. You, you got you got to see it in front of you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my voice is rasped. I can't hear out of my right ear. I'm partially deaf right now, but I was up at six o'clock this morning. Still looking, bro. So. Still looking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you? What were your What were your goals? Um, so my big goal was to build our brand. You know, get our systems and structure in place. Have like the right initial team, and you know, start going at it and meeting people like you, getting that first opportunity and killing it as of like say last October. So here we are in August and our growth is kind of commensurate with that. So um, my goal wasn't more on like the unit or closing side, it was more like realtors. Yeah. I call it an accounts pyramid. How many realtors am I working with? How many transactions do we close? Is it one a month? Is it one a quarter? Is it one or two a year? Mm. Um, and kind of reverse engineer from there. But like for next year, um, I want to do like a two to two and a half X, you know, of my personal production and then the same thing with the branch, you know, like specifically my loan officers. I call them a branch, they're not actually really a branch, but it's almost yeah. like I have loan officers, they have a team, they have their own processor, and then it's my production and we're kind of a group. Um, but to do that, like, I'm also very cognizant of the end game. So, like, I can't just go out and meet a thousand. So, say, like, at the LIBOR events, if yeah. everyone that goes, say, a hundred people, they can't just, like, the next day, if they think I'm great and a good mm -hmm. guy and believe in me, give me, like, a referral you know, that day, yeah. I can't handle 100 referrals, you know, in that one specific day. So, like, I'm trying to grow but at a certain pace where I can grow and kind of accommodate all the referrals that we're getting and still yeah, and service, service everyone. Yeah, so, like, exactly. I can't get referrals from these new people, but then Dan O'Neill's referral suffer, uh, yeah. suffer. So, um, next year I'm trying to grow two and two and a half X, I guess, is the answer. But okay. um, I'm not trying to have worse service levels. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, you I mean, gotta the find the, the board, people for the bus. You gotta get them on the bus. Yeah. You have to be in the right seat. They have yeah, to be the right exactly. staff. You know, it's a lot that goes into it. So the last question I have here for you <clears throat> is: What are some of the do not do's? <laughs> what so that's, the, remember who you the hell me? wrote this? What are some of the do not do's <laughs> on a purchase transaction for a client buying a house? <laughs> so remember you asked me like on the front end some wild stories. So this is an example where the wild stories live. Yeah. So um, I had a woman who worked at her husband's restaurant. So there's guidelines, work with family, sometimes you average their income, because yep. you know, sometimes you know, if you work for family, they jack up your income to qualify for mortgage, lenders aren't stupid. Mm -hmm. So a week before closing, he gave her the restaurant. 
What do you mean you gave it to her? It's a great question. <laughs> so the lender, I didn't know. We didn't know. The lender did a diligence search. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they have all sorts of searches. They could pull stuff from corp searches. He signed over his restaurant to her a week before closing. So what does that mean? Um, in my world, she goes from W-2 to self-employed. She doesn't have a two-year self-employment history. Dead. Owns dead. Damn. She gave, yeah, he gave her the restaurant. We're like, why? Yeah, Because <laughs> I love her. Yeah. I'm like, well, you're going to have to wait to yeah. get a house, I guess. Damn. I've, I've seen some crazy shit, too. I've had buyers that have, we're like the day before going on a contract, say I don't have a dollar to put down on, as a down payment or on contract. I've had to work around that. I've had to work around somebody after I listed their house to go purchase something else, told me that they filed for bankruptcy two years prior. So I had to work around that. I've I really feel like in not even two years like I've I've seen everything man and I, I could write a book on this shit I'm sure you same with you like some of yeah. the stories you tell me about like just loans and people and how they're almost Craziness. dead and you guys say it's people don't realize like people think that our job is so easy which kind of like correlates into what our next announcement is and what we're gonna do next week um, I mean I, I think that I could definitely be a loan officer for a day um, I think that I would easily be able to to put out some loans and get some referrals in I don't know what do you think. <laughs> Um, I mean, look, all I could tell you is like looking at your job. I mean, think about it. You go to a house, mm-hmm. right? They like you. You list it. It sells right away. It makes 6%. <laughs> right? Your job's a joke, bro. Let's be real. Like, you go, I'm Dan O'Neill. Yeah. Like, you just upsell. Like, oh, they're 350 Like you said, I'll do it for 450 Done. Yeah. Like, I would love to live a day in the life as Dan O'Neill. I would love to. cake. You could never do my job. Bro. You not see this day, office? Not even, not even for a minute. You see this office? I would I would love to sit in this office. Are you kidding me? I, I could actually. All right, so I challenge you, bro. Next week, I'm going to live a day in your life and vice versa. And we're going to record it. We're going to record it. Absolutely. We put money on it. Who, who gives up first? Blackstone steak. Yeah, there's a witness. <laughs> you heard it here first. All right, so next week we're going to film. I guess I'll be in your office. You'll be in my office. We'll, we'll do a day a day in the life. I'll handle your clients. You can handle some of mine, and we'll see uh, We'll see who, who raises the white flag first. Yo, I got to go shopping, bro. <laughs> yeah, you need I got to go shopping. <laughs> ankle time. I mean, that's not that bad. Yeah. You can actually kind of see some ankles yeah. there. You got to go to Zara on Huntington. But, uh, I'll all be right, ready. so there you go. So next week's video, I guess we're going to stray away from the podcast. We are going to film a day in the life of both of us. Um, we'll see who gives up first. Thank you for tuning in. Obviously, thank you, Mike, for filming today. Um, thank you for everyone that's been supporting and uh, reaching out with all the positive feedback. Thank you, everybody. Hopefully, I'll get my hearing back. And uh, talk to you soon.